Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, a show about health, wellbeing, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today, I'm excited to welcome Sam Dowler. Sam is a journalist and broadcaster. How are you and what three things make you smile? <laughs> You're making me smile at the moment, Dr. Richard. <laughs> That's good. That's, good. <laughs> so, That's one gone. <laughs> so cute. Um, right. Well, I thought about this on the way in and um, I don't want to be, you know, I wanna be, wanted to think outside the box. It's so very easy to say, oh, my family, who do make me smile, but they also make me shout. <laughs> so, um, so I would think something that would or that always makes me smile. As yes. in, like, yeah, as in yeah, fail exactly. safe. It can be any avenue. Yeah, so I would say, first of all, um, my dog. Um, yes. I mean, I guess that's part of the family. And sometimes <laughs> I don't smile when she's very badly behaved. But um, my mum recently moved down to um, Devon and took the dog with her, Aww. which was very hard, I have Aww. to say. And um, so, uh, yeah, so, but I make sure that she sends me uh, a video or a picture every day. Ripley, she's a um, German Shepherd, named after Sigourney Weaver's character from Aliens. <laughs> Get away from her, you. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, you allowed to swear, by the way, on this podcast? It gets bleeped out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Keep it to a minute. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, the dog would be one of them. Uh, my second one would be um, uh, Nintendo. So I have a... Well, I'm just a massive Nintendo head. I'm a gamer, as it is, and um, I've played Nintendo since I was a child, and I still do now. I have a Nintendo Switch. Um, I've got a PlayStation as well, but I play my Switch a lot more. And um, yeah, so um, I've always played games, and it's very good for my anxiety um, because, I mean, sometimes if you watch a movie, um, it's not enough if your mind is still racing or it's working a lot over time and uh, you're overthinking things. Um, yeah, so a movie isn't enough, uh, but um, a game, um, if you you get into it and you really you can't think about anything else, you have to only think about the game that you're playing. And um, so I've always found it really, really um, helpful to me um, and for my anxiety, etc. And uh, yeah, so anything Nintendo does always brings a smile to <laughs> my face. I love like obviously Super Mario. I mean, <laughs> classic Super Mario, Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like, like I've like... I've... And obviously like, now people have Pokemon, etc. Well, yeah, my partner, he plays, um, well, he attributes uh, losing a lot of weight to Pokemon Go because that was... Um, I think one of the reasons they developed it was to get people out and walking around. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... like a real-time game. Yeah, right? exactly. Don't you remember when it first came out? Yeah, people, yeah, people yeah. Were I falling. was with my, my brothers do it, so they were like, oh, we have to go here, we have to go here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that eye-roll face you just made is the one that I do. Um, I don't remember that people were falling off cliffs and stuff because oh, they were looking yeah. at their phones trying to find a rare Pokemon. Um, so, you know, David, my partner, he always... Um, he's always community day, community day, come out and, like, and look for Pokemon. I'm like, I will, but... You know, because it's nice for a walk. But I was like, but you have to listen to me when I'm talking. Because <laughs> exactly. he'll, he'll just be on his phone looking for Pokemons and I'm just talking to myself. I'm just like, that isn't fun for me. <laughs> I mean, uh, mama likes an audience. Exactly. No joke. Um, so, yeah. So, um, gaming, that's my Nintendo. That's my second one. Um, and, yeah, my third one that never fails to make me smile is um, the TV sitcom Frasier. <laughs> oh, nice. I love that too. <laughs> But I think I love it a bit too much. Um, I have it on every day. Um, at some point, like if I'm cooking in the kitchen, I will have it on the TV. I'll have it on the background. Um, so, I mean, it's been a very, I mean, we could talk about this, but it's been a hard year for me. And um, 
and it's I find it very soothing because mm. um, it's even the voices. Yeah, it's familiar. It's familiar. Like I still find it really funny. There's like 236 episodes or something. I've watched them all. I would say three or four times. Um, so yeah, and I, like it just. It gives me it gives me joy just to sit and watch it or just to have it on in the background because I know I know it's it's my it's like a happy place. Yeah, know? I think it's like it's interesting because it's like intelligent mm. comedy, but yeah. on the other hand, you can enjoy it all different. Yeah, exactly. There's also a bit of slapstick as well. Exactly. I, like. I mean, it's me all over basically. <laughs> uh, bit stupid, bit a uh, bit pompous. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's brilliant. I love it. So let's talk about how we know each other. Mm. Obviously, I've done some work on your teeth. <laughs> and through mutual friends and, yes. you know, the journalism world and things like yeah. that. And obviously, you've been to some of my parties. I've been to some yeah. of your parties. We've hung out a lot. <laughs> Where we, I mean, we must be getting on for 10 years now, surely. <laughs> I think being so. Friends. I think so. Because uh, I first met you, it was um, thanks to Lizzie Cundy, I believe it was. Yes. Um, yes. Who she... <laughs> It was when I was at Now Magazine, um, so I, I started at Now Magazine, and that must be 10 years ago, because I've, I've I've been away from there for a long time, and the magazine's been shut for a couple of years. Um, so I used to be a showbiz journalist, and uh, I used to have a column in Now Magazine, as you know, obviously, and um, I would be on the party circuit all the time, and you know, who's on the party circuit? Lizzie Candy. She always is. In fact, funnily enough, we were on the same TV show the other day, and, um, well, I was like a uh, down-the-line sort of guest, and she was in the studio, and she, apparently she, she said that she slagged me off as soon as I actually told me. I mean, in a jokey way. Um, in, a, in a loving way. Yeah, and it was it was on GB News as well. So, I mean, like, whenever I'm on GB News, I always disagree with everybody, because that's the whole point of, the, of me have, having me on. Um, anyway, so she said, she said at the time, I think she was like, you've got, you've got to meet my Dr. Richard. Oh, you get those cheesy bites sorted out. Calling my teeth cheesy bites. Um, so, I mean... My teeth are in nice shape and stuff, but they needed they needed some whitening, and um, you did a wonderful job. But um, obviously, like you know, we headed off straight away, and um, yeah, you know, I sent you some people, and you know, um, yeah, I did. Yeah, you got because uh, I took you to my friend's house. That's that's how Dua came to see you, wasn't it? Through um, through my through through her manager, who's one of my best friends. Um, but yeah, so I mean. Yeah, it's just been like, and then you've been to all my birthday parties. I've been to all your birthday parties, yeah. bar the last one because I was away. Um, but yeah, it's just a just a lovely friendship. And then um, obviously, I saw you for the first time after the pandemic. Um, was it? So that had been about three years. But that's obviously the same for everybody, isn't it? I know, it's such a strange time. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and it was you know, I just remember having an emotional evening with you, sitting there chugging <laughs> down wine. <laughs> at your fa- at your fancy club. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you kind of get started in celebrity journalism and PR? Well, I mean, oh, I'm just a jack of all trades, really. Um, so, I started off in the music industry when I was um, when I got back from travelling. So, I must have been about twenty three, twenty four, and I was in the music industry for for quite a long time. Mm. And um, yeah, I used was that with a record company. Yeah, I was. I first of all, I started off music PR, and then I went to um, um, a company called Zenomania. Um, they wrote all of Girls Aloud songs, all of Kylie's songs, and they were starting up a label. And I was uh, brought on board as head of press, which was fantastic. But um, <sighs> well, that's a long story as well. Um, <laughs> uh, the um, let's say the record label self-combusted um so i was only there for like a year and then i went to new york uh to sort of like clear my head and like see some people because i've got a lot of friends in new york and um 
And yeah, and I saw a, like a contact and my friend Abigail, um, she was editor of Now magazine at the time and she was like, uh, I've met you at parties, um, I know you really well, uh, I need somebody to come and do a party column. And I was like, I'm, but I'm a, you know, I do PR, I'm not a journalist. And she was like, it ain't, <laughs> it ain't, it ain't brain surgery. Um, cause, I mean, I didn't have to write very much and uh, I did English literature at university. So, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I mean, I haven't had any journalism. I mean, I haven't done a journalism degree or anything, but um, yeah, so I, I came back and I started that and I did that for about, yeah, for about five years. Abigail left and the next, the next editor came along and, um, and yeah, so I just, I just really enjoyed it. But um you know, it takes its toll. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, but, journalism changed over the years. Yeah, of course, and so so much. I mean, like, um, there are hardly any showbiz mags left to begin with. I mean, when I was there to begin with, there was, um, oh my god, it was Now Magazine, uh, Bella, Closer, uh, Look, um, Woman, Woman's Own, Heat. Yeah, there were so many of them, and now there's only a handful left because, I mean, because obviously people would people buy them every week, etc. But um, we were all we all had the same stories. I mean, it was a fu- it was a really fun time. It'll never be repeated. Um, all the same, all the same shapers journalists, all from different places, were all at the same events. Like I made some amazing friends who were friends for life on the uh, on the shapers circuit, and it was and it was such a laugh. But um, but obviously then you know the magazines all started closing. So um, yeah, I moved I moved away from it, and now I'm much more um, serious. Journalist and broadcaster, because <laughs> <laughs> no. obviously, like showbiz stuff, you know, it's it's fluffy yeah, and yeah. Um, it is, and but it's it, fun to do a bit of both, right? Oh yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I would say I would obviously go, would still go to a showbiz party, etc. But I mean, I mean, not that I ever like was scrabbling around, you know, finding celebs to squeeze information out because my column was always much more light-hearted. <laughs> like we'd have a chat, and I'd be like, "Oh, I do want to chat with you, but I need something for the column." I'd be like, "Can you say something like?" Oh, no, no, no. Usually, chat, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, fine. I'm loving this. I'm loving this party. Blah 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 blah. My, you know, just give me something, you know, asinine." And um, and then you know, we end up having. So I've made I've made a lot of good friends with celebrities as well. Especially reality stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're uh, funny, funny bunch, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> they are. You know all about. But them. a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, you now co-host a podcast yourself. Mm-hmm. I so do. So tell me all about that. That is, um, it's like a companion to RuPaul's Drag Race. So uh, we do, we make we do the Drag Race because obviously it's a franchise now. We do the ones that RuPaul presents mainly. Um, we've done a bit of Canada as well, but obviously they are. There are so many. There's, you know, there's Philippines, Thailand, um, Spain, Italy, France, uh, Holland. Um, there are so many. And um, it's, I mean, I can't keep you up. You can't do all of them. You can't, you can't keep up watching all of them. Um, I mean, obviously, RuPaul's a very clever man. And um, so we do, we do just, we, we, re, it's like a recap po- podcast, really. But we also talk about ourselves quite, quite a lot. And like, you know. We have like lots of themes that are like running things. We often bring bring up Big Brother or The Simpsons, um, you know. It's, but it's all about rapport, really. And um, I mean, I love I love doing it. I started doing it for maybe a year and a half ago. I think it was during during the pandemic. The person like the person who he was to my friend Ed Dyson was doing it before he left it, and I always wanted to, I always wanted to do it to begin with anyway. So I was like, man, give it to me. <laughs> but um, finally, I got my wish, and um, and yeah, I love it. It's like you, you know we do it weekly. Sometimes if there's you know when they try not to have things like All Stars and um, UK like crossover, etc. But sometimes they do. 
I mean, like, if you have to do two episodes a week, that's a bit of a bind. But <laughs> but the listeners love it, so uh, there we go. Yeah, and I listen as well. I find it a lot of fun. Like you said, it's, it's quite so rude. lighthearted. <laughs> so it's quite close to the bone. You it's said. ruder than this podcast, <laughs> especially if you bleep out the swear words. There'd be nothing left of mine. <laughs> One long bleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, that's absolutely brilliant. So I'm. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the challenges you've overcome as well. Mm your journey and um you know we wanted to speak about your dad as well mm. you know, it's a hard subject it is hard um so i guess uh what should i talk do you want to talk about my dad first yeah oh, i mean he's such a great character and obviously i met him. yeah you met my dad and he's um gary's yeah, he was very special and um well <laughs> <laughs> Just about, I mean, like, when I say special, it was not like, he was like, oh, my God, everybody loved him. I mean, everybody did love him, but, like, obviously, like anybody else, he had his, you know, he had his, he had his bad sides. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, he had uh, myeloma, so um, that was, so that is a type of blood and bone cancer, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and he had it for seven years, so he had, um, it was more of keeping it at bay. You could never cure it. Um, so... Yeah, so we so we had a lot of treatment, and you know, and it was the the treatment at the beginning was all was all right actually. Like I'd take him to his chemo, and then he would be fine. Then have six months off, etc. So that was so that was kind of all right. But um, it just um, it just obviously started to go downhill, and I don't think the pandemic helped at all. I mean, I'm sure that is the same for many many cancer sufferers. I mean, he still he still had his treatments. Uh, we would um. I mean, one good thing about it was you could drive down to UCLH because we, we were in Hertfordshire. We could drive down to UCLH um, in a matter of in half an hour yeah, sometimes. No I know, no traffic because there was no one around. So that was great. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was just it was just really tough. And um, I moved in with my mum and dad to to help out. And then, yeah, when the pandemic hit. So my uh, partner is in um care so he um he looks after um what he did at the time he looked after mentally ill people now it's children now he looks after you know disabled children and mentally ill children um and so i couldn't see him because i had to stay with my dad so i couldn't i didn't see him for like three months and he lives around the corner so that was tough but um it was more tough for dad as well because he was he's he was an active person and he um like he loved to go traipse around because we're in Welling Garden City. He used to love to traipse around the um, the the charity shops, <laughs> the charity shops, and pick up a load of crap. That mum would be like, "Ah, oh, what's Not this?" More. <laughs> yeah, believe after when he passed, we found a lot more than we were bargaining for. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, he was just like he was, you know, he he was he was a conservative councillor. I mean, his politics do not ally with mine, but um, yeah, and he was, but he, he was like a member of the community. And obviously, like, uh, when the pandemic hit, um, Boris Johnson said that anyone suffering from myeloma had to, had to you know, stay in the house. Like, they weren't even allowed out for, for, um, for exercise walks. And, like, he actually used the words myeloma. There was two. So I was like, whoa, famous. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was, it was, you know, of all, so obviously that was enough to set dad off. So he didn't, well, he didn't leave the house other than uh, to go down to the hospital for, yeah, for two years. And, um, and... He he didn't exercise in the house. We had we had a running machine, and um, 
I dragged it. I mean, <laughs> running machine. It, yeah, it was a running machine, but it was basically used for storage. They just chucked. It was just had a lot of boxes on it in the garage. Um, probably was second, from from a second hand shop. No, it wasn't. Um, anyway, I dragged it into the house, and I was like, right, mum, dad, this is for you. Uh, so I set it up in you know one of the rooms in the house, put a big TV in front of it. I was like, use it. And he didn't, and he and he didn't use it, and um, I think that contributed to um, his um, swifter demise than I would have preferred. Um, obviously, like he, um, but then towards towards the end, he was like, so last, so he died in December last year, so it's not even a year yet, and um, he he like kept fainting and stuff so like the cancer was obviously getting getting worse and he ended up he had to go to hospital he was in that hospital for a bit and then the last one he was in I was in hospital for about 6 weeks and by the end of it he couldn't um I went in to see him on my birthday actually so it's my birthday next week and I went to see him on my birthday this obviously this time last year and he said to me how um he um he wished he'd listened to me about Using the walk, using the running machine just to to walk, like to keep his muscles working and stuff. Because after six weeks in hospital, he had lost the use of um, his legs. He couldn't walk anymore. Um, he couldn't hold up his weight. Do you know what I mean? Not even with the Zimmer. And so therefore, he couldn't go to the toilet on his own. So one by the time they released him at the end of um, at the end of October, um, it was just the beginning of the end, really. And so he came home. Um, he came home and he was like in a room downstairs. Like he was always adamant he didn't want to be in that room because that's where his, <laughs> that's where his mum lived when um, when she was you know in her last, in her final years. So she died at ninety six, same as the Queen uh, and uh, Dame Angela Lansbury. Anyway, so um, he didn't want to be in that room, but he was. There was nothing he could do about it. But he had. Um, I mean, the NHS were amazing. Um, this hospice in Wellington City called Isabel Hospice. They were amazing as well. He had carers four times a day, but it was hard. It was hard to see. He was you know he. He he was done. He didn't want to be like that, and I didn't want to see him like that. Mm. Um, I mean, and obviously, I know a lot of people who have you know parents with Alzheimer's, and um, you know, I mean that that's just the the worst. Uh, he, thing. Yeah, he had his he had his memories and stuff. So um, it was just it was almost like he was he was still him, but he just couldn't he just couldn't function. And then you know, I would sometimes I would have to help him in the middle of the night, get on the toilet and stuff. And it was just like he was such a so, I mean, everyone always says that. Such a proud man, a but he proud was. Person, yeah. He was a proud man. He was always a life and soul. I mean, as I Definitely. said, you've met him. And, and he's he was, a character. Yeah, exactly. Always a character. I mean, that's where I got it from. Like, he was just so rude and so, like, um, <laughs> so, like, always, always had a quip ready to go, which was usually foul. I mean, my partner just loved him because he was just, they could laugh at the same disgusting jokes. The other thing um, about his story was, um, if I'm right, he kind of had started in a business um, insurance background. Yeah. But then he transitioned into doing social services That's right, yeah. and, and for children. I remember yeah. him saying, you know, he was fighting for the children's rights. That's nice you remember that. Yeah, yeah he was, that, um, that was something that really mm. struck me. Well, he um, he was, um, like, made his money in the 80s, like, proper, like, he was man from the Peru that would go around people's houses. I mean, he was the consummate salesman. Always, um, always on the sale, always on the sale, uh, selling people insurance door to door. And um, so then, so it was like during the boom 80s, um, <laughs> where it was like, you know, I mean, they would go on work trips to Monte Carlo and stuff, and <laughs> mum would be like, oh, with her tiara and furs. And it was like, <laughs> ridic- I mean, ridiculous. 
but um but then all that came that came crashing down like like they all like it always does um so he got his golden handshake and then he went he went back to university uh to become a social worker and uh yeah he traveled all over london and um and hertfordshire and even like down to like the west country and stuff um yeah like fighting for kids really um you know and look and like and just doing doing that he was he was so personable he was doing you know the right thing by by you know by less well off people um and by by you know people who were living in terrible situations so i mean yeah he was he was he was great that way but um so yes yeah, so, to see him as he was at the end was was very hard and then um and then yes yeah, so i was i was on a night out it was in in december and um i woke up the next morning and i couldn't I couldn't taste or smell, and I was like, "Oh God, it's got me." I'd had some jabs, um, but um, or maybe just one jab. I think I'd had then, um, but it was horrendous. And my sister was over from Australia because she was helping out as well with my mom and dad, and um, and yeah, so I, so I was, so I had to start isolating straight away. That was on the Thursday, and on the Sunday, my mom came to my bedroom. And she was like, "I think your dad's going to go today," and um, so I. So I put a load of PPE on, went downstairs, um, you know, gave him a hug. He was just sort of, it was like he was sleeping. And, um, you know, I thanked him for being an amazing dad and I sang him a song and I came back upstairs. And then, um, yeah, so uh, so like about 11 o'clock at night, my mum came up and she was like, oh, he's he's gone, he's died. So I, you know, so I had to go back in my bedroom and isolate for another four days. Wow. It was the worst time of my life I would, I would say because I couldn't even um, I was talking to mum about it the other day and she was like she's still traumatised and I'm still traumatised like I couldn't like, I couldn't hug anybody I couldn't I couldn't see my partner I couldn't I couldn't do anything because um, and it's and it is it is stories like that that um, that is what got people so angry with Boris Johnson and stuff like that because um, you know you like that was that was the worst time and I and I you know I took it seriously you know because you know my mum was my mum's 70 now and and my sister um my sister is Australian so she was had to go back to Australia and they were so tight at the time so if she'd have got it she couldn't go back to her family etc so I mean it was it was important so um I don't know it was just it was just it was heartbreaking for me but um I listened he loved Queen so I listened to <laughs> so I would I would I would send for wine and beers from downstairs and I would sit and I had like a flat roof so I would get out on the roof sit and you know sit and smoke a fag sorry to say that on a health on a health podcast but times were times were tough and um, and drink a bottle of wine and I can listen to listen to Queen blaring so I mean it was just, yeah, it was just a very trying time. And then and there was his funeral in, in December. And then, yeah, it's just been sort of a blur since then, really, because uh, my mum's uh, moved down to Devon. She wanted to, she wanted to start her life again, I suppose. And, um, yeah, so now I've, I've moved in with a partner. And it's just, you know, it's like, I have a grief counsellor. Like I said, um, Isabel Hospice in um, in Wenigan City, they were, they've been fantastic. And um talking of mental health that I didn't think that I would need one I was like oh, I'm strong mm. I don't need to do this because I'm I'm very much um strong for everybody around me I'm strong for my partner you know who's had some tough times as well and I'm a family and friends and you know and I was thinking oh I'm fine I'm fine but then just like about a month ago or something maybe two months ago it sort of started to hit me like a ton of bricks like dreams and um and just realizing that like you know he was you know, my biggest supporter, my biggest rock, and he could never be replaced. You can't replace, you know, your mother can't replace your father, your partner can't replace your father, like nothing can. So I was, you know, I was like, I need to talk to somebody. So, um, yeah, they were great. Um, 
I would always recommend grief counselling, and uh, I mean, my grief counsellor she's fabulous. She's seventy nine. <laughs> well, you know, um, the <laughs> thing is, um, I think. Yeah, if you want to help other people and you want mm. to be strong, you also have to look after yourself. Do you know? Yeah, what I mean? you're right. And I do that. And I and I and I I don't I don't generally I do I do rather dish it out until I've there's not a lot left for myself. So um um, so so it was it was good. To, I mean like to do that. Yeah, exactly. And with the grief council, oh my god, I was I was weeping before I even got in oh on the first god. one. <laughs> I was like <laughs> before you started. Yeah, she was like because no one's looking after you. I know. And, and they, the the other thing they say is you know with grief is like if you're not processing it mm. and it can come in you know waves and things like that then it will come back again. So mm. it, it's good sometimes to let yourself feel it. Mm. You know what I mean, and we sometimes we try and just suppress everything, and then mm. you know. Oh, exactly, and I think um, back in the end. Yeah, and I think, I like I say to my mum, I'm just like I'm just like I hope you're prepared for the tidal wave <laughs> that is approaching <laughs> your very beach, dearie, because like she was, because she was focused on like you know the house and its yeah, stuff, yeah. and then she's down there, and she hasn't even moved into the new house yet. That's next week, and like, and I know that once the dust settles and everything, it'll be like. Pfft, yeah. But um, you know she. But she, she's 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 prepared. She's got like you know, she's she's got a support system and everything. But like um, I do remind her that it's on its way. Yeah, well, you know what? Sometimes they say it's good to have a good cry and get. Oh my god, and yeah. Cry, and I do. There's not any. I mean, when I saw you for the first time, I was crying that that evening. I there's, I would say out of every night out that I have. Fifty percent of them I cry at. Fifty percent laugh, fifty percent cry. And then I get, and then I get like texts from people that I've like met on the train or I've met, but they're all going, "You're right. <laughs> you seemed a bit upset last night. You're a great person. Remember that." Da, da, da. Which is, which is lovely. I mean, everyone's so supportive. I mean, like, I don't know. I, you know me. I, t- I talk, to, I talk to everybody, but like, um, and I'm very open about my feelings and everything. And so it's. It's nice to always get like people. People are intrinsically good. That is what I think. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about changing tack here a little <laughs> bit? But how about um, sexuality uh-huh. and kind of being an advocate for, you know, positivity in mm. that that sense? Well, I do. Um, so I go on GB News quite a lot, and um, you know they, you know they're very right wing. I mean, a lot of a lot of my friends are like, how could you go on that channel, etc. But um, I go on to be an advocate for LGBTQ um, plus people, and um, you know I think we are we're at a bit of a crunch time at the moment. I think um, I think you know trans people are being vilified in the mainstream media on a on on a daily basis, um, which I mean not helped by the likes of J.K. Rowling um, stirring up um, just but basically it's my problem is. Allying trans women with sexual predators, uh, which is obviously not the case, and and um, what it and what it does, this this form of fear mongering, um, basically trickles down to actual real world violence for um, for for trans people. So like, there's a there's a fifty six percent rise in um, hate crimes against trans people since, since last last year. That's only that's in a year. So um, I do think it's very important to discuss these things, uh, no matter how um, you might get piled on. In um, so, like, whenever I go on GB News to talk about um, about um, LGBTQ stuff, I do, I do, I do talk about like politics as well, etc. But I guess that's like a specialty subject. (laughs) Oh my god, I get piled on 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 Twitter all the time. It's a toxic place, and um, and yeah, obviously, it's it's an important subject for me. um, Obviously, as as a gay man, but. um, and as someone who is interested in human rights as well, and I do, I write a lot about um, 
about um, about queer people the world over. I mean, even even a few weeks ago, is it a month ago? Um, like Euro Euro Pride was cancelled um, uh, because um, of people right wing protests, religious protests, mm. um, and it's um, a disgrace, frankly. And um, so um, I'm also I'm, I'm I'm an advocate for um, for Sydney World Pride, which is next February, and um, I don't think um, there's ever a better time for uh, World Pride because because um, prides are being you, you know we we have like Hull Pride, whatever over here, or like you know Hertfordshire Pride that I've been to, um, which is which is great because you know we're in a country where um, where that's okay, but if, but even now like there's protests outside, you know drag drag bars or like drag story hours etc like it's it's in the in over here and in america it's getting worse like um you know um, lgbtq people are being called groomers in america by 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 politicians by pe- politicians who are like working politicians who have been voted for um and obviously there's loads of anti-trans laws in the usa so um yeah so um well pride is something that is essential it's the first time it's been in the southern hemisphere it's going to be in sydney um and i'm hoping to go i think it's i think i think it couldn't the timing couldn't be better but it's um but it's something that is because you know people say oh you know you don't need pride anymore you, you know you know it's, the, the battle's won i was like well you know it isn't and you know the, the even the fact that my partner doesn't want to hold my hand in the street uh depending on where we are etc means that it is that it means it's it's still necessary um and and as I said, you know, we're in some places we're we're going backwards, including our own country and including the USA. So um, this is this is this is vital. It's so vital, and um, and yeah, and I'm excited to be involved. Yeah, definitely. I think the thing is with the, you know, there's some kind of right wing movements that are going on, and I think, but I think the younger generation things are moving forward. Mm. Um, it just oh, it is the younger. Gen- you're absolutely right. It's the younger generation. I mean, there was only there was statistics the other day that said. 50, only fifty percent um, identifies one hundred percent straight, so that is. So obviously, I have young cousins, and I have, um, you know, obviously friends, friends of my age with children at school, etc. Obviously, very, very young children if they're my age. These parents, um, no, they are. Um, they, you know, obviously, they, you know, you have like non-binary kids, and you know, and and you know, trans kids themselves, and they, and it's. And people are like, oh, it's because they're it's because they're being influenced by what they're seeing. But it is it isn't. It's about like, I mean, if there was if there was the kind the kind of queer representation there is now on TV and in the media, there's when I was a child, um, you know, things would have been different. Been I think, much easier. yeah, would have been it would have been much easier. And because I spent a lot of my um, young adult lifehood and my and my childhood thinking that there was something wrong with me, um, wishing wishing I was a different way and. Um, it's like with um it's like with my with my partner he's quite like raw blokey um but i'm not particularly like that so for someone like me growing up you know you get you know people people tell you you're gay before you know yourself and um and you know and like now it's it's okay but st- but still obviously people still you know young young queer kids are thrown out of their houses uh, they're bullied at school etc so like it is so it doesn't matter what these what right wing politicians say or um or fools in the media, like because, like I mean, for example, I mean a particular bugbear of mine is the LGBT Alliance, um, who just just you know borderline hate group is what Matt Lucas said, um, and it's it's this kind of like bastardization of uh, where we should be 
as one mm. um and just and it's trying to splinter us apart when kind of divide the gay yeah, the trans community yeah exactly when we need to when we there's never been a time when we need to be more together to 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 look after each other and you know and with our allies and um you know and, it, and it's the as i said it was it's all it's older politicians etc that that are you know they're going on about this sort of thing and and you know um fear-mongering and you know saber rattling and um They'll be gone at some point. Do you know what I mean? They'll they'll retire. They'll die. They're, they're, that's the older generation, and it couldn't happen soon enough. And um, you know, and let let younger people like get into politics, start start making a difference. Um, because because they are, and it's and it is it's it's heartwarming. I have to say, definitely. How do you approach your own kind of like health, wellness, and nutrition? You know, we talked a little bit about looking after yourself, yeah. but what? How do you how do you do that? Um, well, obviously, that you know, you have your physical health and your mental health, and um, so, I mean, mental mental health. I've I've talked about, you know, I you know, I think it's important to have you know a counsellor, and um, I think it's important for anybody to talk to talk to someone. It's all, I think everyone should have a um, should yeah. Ha- should, yeah, no, no, definitely should have a therapist. Yeah, I do. Um, so, but physically, I do go to the gym. Um, <laughs> I need to go more. I'm, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm, averaging, I'm averaging about once a week at the moment, which I mean is borderline pointless. But um, yeah. you know what? Anything is good, and I think the thing is that, as we said, it's physical and mental. Yeah, absolutely. And I always feel I always feel great afterwards. Um, um, I'm a member of um, a gym in in Hatfield, um, and I drive. I just, I, you have to have to drive there. It's like about ten minutes. I mean, but like you know, you, I get the mindset when I'm there, and it's it's a lovely gym actually. I can spend like two hours there or whatever, and like you know, I need to do that maybe like, maybe three times a week because like you know, physical appearances. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I lost the plot during the pandemic. Basically, I'm sort of a lot of us did, <laughs> a lot of us did. Um, my pecs became moobs, and I you know, and my partner's like, look at your jubblies, and I'm like, <laughs> like what happened to you? The thing is, I think that um, anything going to gym regularly, like mm. getting into a routine, and mm. um, it also helps you concentrate on something different mm. apart from, you know, being on devices or phones or whatever. So I think there's a lot oh, of, lot of um, positive things about it. Yeah, and, I, and I'm very much a solo gym goer. I don't... Um... I don't enjoy being in a class. Uh, my friend took <laughs> Not me. me actually. My friend took me to cycle. Um, you know, with a P. Yes, and yes. Um, and I can. I was just like, oh. <laughs> he's shouting at me. I look around her to sort of like for some sort of like oh, like a light moment, and she's like, like, like pounding away at this bike. And I was like, oh, this is not for me. Like, because I, I, like even if I'm at the gym with somebody, like. Um, I have quite a, like a, a muscly friend called Steve, and like sometimes we sometimes we train together. But like he's he's quite serious, and I'm I'm quite a jokey person. So uh, my friend Matt won't even train with me because he's like you just laugh the whole time, and it's like Ugh, well I have to have to because like it's ridiculous first of all, and it's like oh you have to laugh otherwise you just cry. Um, but uh, yeah, so now I do it I do it on my own. I go with my headphones. I you I do like chest, but you know whatever. I spend like a good hour doing it, and. Um, Maybe I don't push myself enough, but I do. But I do all the machines. I do the exercise. I've been taught, um, and um, and yeah, and I'm gonna get back to it, and I'll, it'll start making a difference in that. When, once it starts making a difference, that's when you, you yeah, think, oh, wait, oh, it's like oh, a positive flywheel. Of thing. course, of course it is. Of course it is. If you don't see, if you don't see anything happening, which of course I'm not at the moment because I'm still eating pizza at two o'clock in the morning and going once a week to the gym. <laughs> um, but yeah, but once you know, you get in the mindset. I'm never gonna be this this. 
you know, a Love Island buff buff guy because I know how how much dedication that takes. You can't go out really. Um, you can only eat like chicken and rice, mm. protein, etc. Like most of, I mean, a lot of it is down to steroids, of course, and yeah, like yeah. I would never do that. So I mean, it's, it's well, the thing is sometimes I talk about how um, even though you can have an outwardly great looking physically mm. body, you may not actually be in good health yeah. internally. You know, yeah. once you've oh exactly done all that exactly. And... I mean, I've as, as I said, I've worked in showbiz for a long time. So I've worked with um, with uh, reality stars and um as you know obviously like this you know suicide is a huge problem and yeah. um and i think uh shows like love island or um or you know instagram in general have a lot to answer for um i think that some of the what people would consider to be the best looking mm. people or what is considered to be mm. those often are the most insecure people as you know oh of course of course yeah we as i know as one of those people myself <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, you know, you you me both, girl. Um, but yeah, of course. Um, especially if uh, I think if you've um, had a lot of work done, etc. It's all it is you know it's all part of the. Like I remember being at a Geordie Shore event once, and some and one of the one of the cast walked past me, and I was like, oh my god, like there wasn't anything she hadn't done. She didn't. She almost didn't look human. <laughs> it was um, it was quite shocking. And um, and and the thing is, like that sort of obsession with out the outside um like i mean it just this it means you're doing practically no work on the inside at all mm. and you know and it just and you just become a hive of like insecurities and you just you know and i don't even notice with 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 people who who have worked on i'm not saying there's anything wrong with having worked on at all but um we but always like, say um if you have something done and you're enhancing yourself yeah and you're still yourself yeah but once you've gone to a yeah. certain point and you no longer, and also you become. I think that people become blind to it as well. Like they, they'll have like a bit of Botox, a bit of fillers, but then they'll just keep having more and more and more. And it's like it's like when you see somebody um, who's lost some weight, whatever, and you go, "Oh my god, you you look great! You've lost some weight." And they go, "Have I? Have I?" And they might be trying, but they don't see it themselves because they see themselves every day. And so if you look in the, if you look at yourself in the mirror every day, and you have and you have small tweaks and do things over time, like within like maybe six months from seeing somebody to from nothing having nothing done to having loads done. People would be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? You look, you look completely different, and da, da, da. it's like, and obviously, you know, we know that things like plastic surgery and stuff like that is is addictive, and um, you know, you've got like. Obviously... I think the other thing is like people have these uh, obviously social media filters. Yeah, oh. and they're trying to recreate oh the my... filter in real how life. Stupid, how stupid can you be? I mean, for God's <laughs> sake! Like, I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna have like you know flowers tattooed on my face because I love that sparkly <laughs> that sparkly filter on Snapchat, and it's like, oh, get a grip, or like those those ones with the big eyes and stuff and the big lips and they're like oh I'm going to have surgery to make my eyes look massive for the love of god I know I know that and, I know. So, which, and when so that's when you when you see somebody who's done all that that's when you immediately question their mental health of course of course you do of course and actually a lot of now um cosmetic surgeons they have like counseling and uh, mm. you know psychologists attached as well. Yeah, and you know the best. Oh, of ones course. Will, will kind of talk walk you through. Yeah, that walk first. you through the process and say yeah. why 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 do you want that? And like, and you know, I would yeah, a good a good surgeon should be somebody who's like you don't need to and like. Yeah. You know, exactly. they're like, well, I'll find someone who does the Dr. Nick Riviera from The Simpsons. <laughs> it would worry me if they say you do need to. <laughs> good God, why didn't you come in sooner? You've been walking around like that, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> Talk to me about your plans for the future. Oh, what's my five-year plan? <laughs> um, what's your ten-minute plan? <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, 
I don't. Well, I guess I'm. I'm loving doing more TV. I'm loving doing broadcasting. Um, I've just got. I'm. I'm somebody who has a lot of. Uh, ideas and um, energy yeah and i do find i find it difficult to hone it i don't know whether i've got adhd or something my uncle has but um i don't think i do but um it's like for example you know i like a, i like a drink um and i often find I, it's definitely self-medication because i often find it, it quite you know it quietens down all your you know your your thoughts going crazy and like on what you've got to do your plans etc etc so like i do yeah, I mean, I, I know obviously there should be a different way for me to do that. Any suggestions on a postcard, please? But um, yeah, I just I I have I have like sec- like I have an agent. I have sections. I have things I want to write. I've got like um, books I've started. Um, you know, plays I've started. Uh, like <laughs> literally, I do. And you know, and I and I sometimes think. F- so excuse me, beep. Um, <laughs> I don't have to beep myself, do I? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, I sometimes find. Um, like conversations that I haven't followed up or like something that's you know, an email I just I'm like, oh my god I was really into that and I've completely forgotten about it so I mean I'm I'm sure there must be a way where I note these things down I should have like a spreadsheet with uh projects on the go and um yeah so I mean I couldn't tell you in in five years time I mean in five well you didn't say five years time you just said plans for the future I said five years um I yeah I just want to continue I guess doing good work, saying you know, saying the right things, being entertaining, hopefully, um, you know, being loving, and um, you know, I have, as I said, all my family have moved down to Devon. Um, I have like more family in Cornwall, and um, I love it down there. I would love to um, spend more time down there because I can work. I can work obviously from there as well, and um, and yeah, and a friend of mine's bought a vineyard down there, and so you know, he's like, oh, can we be involved in that? So it's just like. There's lots of possible. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I don't think. Um, I think we're at. I think the, what the pandemic showed us is that. Um, I mean, obviously, you yourself as a dentist, you will you'll always be a dentist if you didn't like. It's like it's like when you see dentists going on um, celebrity master chef or no, just normal master chef. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You've got it fixed. <laughs> um, so, like, I mean, you know, you could you, you can, and you can't do dentistry online you can't do it you know you can't yeah I mean, it's a very it's a very yeah it's like hairdressing yeah. yeah yeah exactly and it's and it's very person you know person to person etc like whereas what i do isn't generally um and and also i think the pandemic showed people that they can branch out and they don't necessarily have to continue doing what they are doing and i think um for me personally if i was if i did like i can't honestly i can't remember the last time i did do a 9 to 5 i think it was even when i was at now magazine i was um technically a freelancer so i would you know pop in and out and stuff and um so i think the last time i did was was over over 10 years ago and i think like i'm, I'm not so I, I do consultancy stuff i do um I do, yeah. As I said, I do TV, and th- you just you just sort of like yeah, bring it. You, all... it that's the new thing as well. Mm, it is kind of bring different parts of your career together, mm. and kind of you've got to sort of be across everything, like strike three hundred and sixty sort of thing. Like you know, you like because um, I've got a, so one of my assets, I suppose, <laughs> inverted commas, um, is I've got a lot of contacts because I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I make friends quite easily, and I keep friends um, because I think it's important, and um, and yeah, so you just. Um, you know, I, I often I, I often put people together and like they say, you know, someone who does so and so, and I was like, yes, I know. Yeah. And so there's and there's often like work opportunities within that, and like anything to keep yourself interested and interesting, I think, is the most important thing. I mean, I've never been um, super money orientated. I mean, I wish I was a bit more because you know we could all do with a little bit more. Um, but 
work-wise, I think you know, on paper, I've you know, I've done I've done things that I'm proud of. Yeah, I always enjoy um, seeing or listening to. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me, Sam. Um, all of Sam's details and links are in the show notes below. I think that it was really good hearing your story. Thank you. Which is amazing, and how you've dealt with the things you've been through. Thanks. Obviously, about your father and everything, and the. We're looking forward to seeing much more in the future. Thanks, Lucy. And thank you for listening. If you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It was presented by me, Dr. Richard Marks. For more about me, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard Double Underscore. <laughs> Catchy. <laughs> Lots of underscores there. <laughs> or visit my website, www.drrichardlondon.com. This is a Poppy production. It was recorded at Spiritland Studios and the music is by Delhi Music. And we will see you next time. Bye.